Will there be a recession in 2024? That's the question everybody wants to know. Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. I'm Nick Batia. And today I'm going to walk you through the world of economic data. We're going to look at certain indicators, markets, as well as what is happening at central banks and try to understand where exactly we are. I know that there's a lot of confusion. And in today's video, I want you to understand what is going to happen next year with the global economy. Today's video is sponsored by River. We are extremely proud to be sponsored by River. It is a Bitcoin only exchange, somewhere you can go to get allocated. And we love River for a few reasons, but most importantly, River does not use a custodian that is an external party. It uses its own method of multi-signature cold storage so that you and your funds are not exposed to the world of counterparty risk. Now, River even encourages you to get your coins off of the exchange as soon as possible. And they also have Lightning Network capability so you can get those coins off like that. Make sure you check out river.com slash TBL. Okay, guys, I'm really excited because at the Bitcoin layer, we have a new charting tool and we have these beautiful charts we're starting to put together for you guys. We have access to basically the entire world of economic and market data. Now, in this first chart, some of you might be familiar with the TBL Economic Cycle Wayfinder. And what is this Wayfinder? This is something that we've put together over the last couple years to give us a sense of where we are in the economy. Now, it's basically four different indicators that we've put together in one picture for you. But within these four indicators, we get a broad sense of what's going on in the U.S. For the first and most reliable indicator, we have the ISM Manufacturing Survey. This is a survey of manufacturing companies in the U.S. What are they doing in terms of economic activity? Are they seeing an increasing amount of new hires? Are they seeing an increasing amount of new orders or the opposite? We get all of that information in one number. And so that's the number you see in orange here. And the orange line corresponds here with the right side of the chart here. So 50, the 50 line is what we in the ISM and other purchasing manager index surveys. The 50 line is our flat line. This means our company is neither expanding nor contracting this month. So you see here that we are below 50, meaning that the responses to the questions asked to manufacturing firms are in fact contractionary. However, they are increasing over the last few months. That's number one. And number two, we see that approximately the 50 to 48 area is consistent with the U.S. economy falling into a recession. And the recession here on the chart is shown with these shaded regions. So you see here we have three shaded regions, and this is something you'll continually see on the charts in this chart pack. I try to go back about 25 years on all of these time series in each one of these charts, charts so that you guys get a sense of what has happened over the longer term. And it does give us three different recessions to compare it against. And that, I think, is very important. These three recessions of the last 25 years 
all are unique, but they all have a relationship in terms of how they impact the data. So the first recession, you can see that in the 2001 area, that is the great dot-com bubble bursting recession. In 2008, of course, the great financial crisis coming off the back of excessive leverage, a housing crisis in the United States, but really more importantly, so much interbank risk that the economy really just couldn't handle the contraction in the banking sector. And that's why we had all those bailouts and quantitative easing. We still feel the legacy from that 2008-2009 recession and financial crisis. And of course, the third and final recession of the past 25 years was the pandemic recession. It was extremely short by historic standards. You can see that really thin line on the screen. That's because in reality, the recession only lasted for a few months. And that was because the world shut down. There were restrictions on economic activity all over the world. And economic activity fell off a cliff. And unfortunately, it's actually distorted some of the time series that we have uh, in the world of economic data. But we have to take the data as we get it. So we have three recessions over the last 25 years on this chart. And now let's look at the rest of the indicators and what they are. Number one, we have the University of Michigan consumer sentiment. This is the line in dark green, guys, that you have here. Now, consumer sentiment is, again, questions asked to the consumer. Are you more or less likely this month to buy a washing machine versus last month? And it's questions very similar to that. Specific, qualitative, driven toward the consumer. And we get all of these answers represented in one number. And as you can see, the green line is falling and it is not in an expansionary trend. It is in a falling trend. We look back at the 2008 recession. All of these lines came down together. But in particular here, this University of Michigan consumer sentiment indicator long before the recession happened, started to decline. So these are the things that we're looking for here. What are some of the leading indicators? And I opened this video by saying, are we going into recession in 2024? That's really what we're trying to get at here. We're not trying to look at what is the market going to do this week. We are taking a step back and we are trying to see, hey, what is going on in the economy? And looking at the past 25 years, is this a sign that we are going into a recession or not? Next on the list of economic indicators is the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index. This is the line in black. This is another survey directed at small businesses. Are you more or less likely to hire? Are you getting better or worse new orders? What is your expectation on the economy going forward? What is your expectation on your customers? and their ability to purchase your products and services. And the last one I have for you is this line in purple, it's pending home sales in the United States. And we can see that that line is falling pretty sharply right now. And it does bring back some comparisons to what happened in previous recessions. So now you guys understand why this is our wayfinder. It is our way of stepping back and looking at the economy and trying to see what are consumers doing? What's the housing market like? What are manufacturing firms doing? And what are small businesses doing? And with this, we get a sense of what's going on in the economy. Now you tell me, looking at this picture, 
Does it look like we are in an expanding economy or in a contracting economy? Now, I really believe we are in a contracting economy, and this picture shows us, but it's not black and white, right? We do see an uptick in ISM manufacturing. So little things like this, we have to pay attention to the minutia as well as zooming out. Now let's go to the next chart. Now in talking to people in the real estate sector, they understand that the economy is in a precarious position. But in reality, what they are seeing is a an inventory in the housing market that isn't churning. Now why isn't it churning? Obviously, rates have gone up so much that mortgage rates make it unaffordable for many people in their current home to move. Even if they wanted to go to a house of the same size and even of the same price, they would have a much higher cost due to the higher interest rates relative to where they were just a couple years ago. So where is the churn in the housing market? It's not there yet because we don't have a wave of foreclosures yet. And we don't have a wave of foreclosures yet. Why? Because of jobs. Now let's go to this jobless claims chart. The orange line here represents initial claims. These are the number of people that on a weekly basis file saying, I've just lost my job. And that is on the uh, left hand side here of the Y axis. Now, on the black line, we have continuing claims. So this is how many people are receiving unemployment assistance on an ongoing basis. And that is on the right-hand side, and that scale is in millions of people. Now, as you can see here during the pandemic, both of these lines went above the chart. So I've tried to shrink the height of the chart here so that you understand in the pandemic, there was such a massive wave of unemployment claims that it actually knocked out the historical context completely. So I've tried to shorten the height of this chart to give you guys a little bit more of a context here. So look at the tech recession in 01, look at the great financial crisis in 09, look at the pandemic and look at today. And what is the difference that you guys see here? It's obvious there is no spike yet in unemployment claims. There is no spike yet in continuing unemployment assistance. Now, we do see that the level of continuing claims is much higher than it was just about a year and a half, two years ago. However, the level is muted, especially relative to previous recessions. So this is a big, big one here. And I wanted to bring this at the beginning on the side of the argument that says we are not in a recession. Now, this chart would suggest that we are not in a recession, nor are we necessarily heading towards one. Just look at the numbers in orange, guys. The number of initial jobless claims, the number of people that are filing for brand new unemployment assistance is muted. We have seen some increase, right? But that some increase, it's just not recessionary yet. And that's not what we're seeing in the numbers. So I wanted to show you the labor situation, the job market is hanging in and it is usually the last to fall, but it's important to see that it really hasn't moved that much yet. Now let's go to the next chart. This is the policy rate of major central banks around the world. In orange, we have the US Federal Reserve. Uh, in purple, we have the ECB in Europe. And in black, we have 
the United Kingdom, and the Bank of England's policy rate. Now, you can see all three of these rates have sharply risen over the past year to year and a half. And if you look back at the 08 recession as well as the tech recession, rates were going up, going into those recessions. So this one by itself, just look at where rates have gone and then think about the linear effects of higher rates and what that does to the average borrower. It makes everything more expensive. So you would expect a contraction in economic activity off the back of higher rates. So with this chart, we can say that it is likely we are heading into some sort of contraction or recession just based off of recent policy decisions. The policy rate has become restrictive to the point where it should slow down economic activity. Now, we are using an amalgamation of economic data to suggest that we are going into a recession, but just by itself, we can see that central banks have tightened policy rates to levels that are consistent with previous recessions. So just something to keep in mind. Let's go to the next chart. Okay, here we're taking another look at the U.S. housing market. We've taken a look at pending home sales amidst the other economic indicators. Let's take a look here now at existing home sales and residential permits. Now, existing home sales in orange, you can you can see here, they are falling sharply. Now, this is this dynamic that we have, a refusal for people to leave their homes as they are priced out of similar homes due to the higher mortgage rates. So we would expect homes to fall in terms of the sales. But the black line here is permits. Now permits, you can see tracks with sales historically and look at the 07, 06, 07 decline in housing that was going into really an expectation of a crashing housing market. So today here we see that sales have declined quite sharply, but permits have not, right? Look at this black line. It is hanging on, and it is not showing that home builders are fearful of a recession just by itself. So this is an, an indicator in housing. It gives us really both sides of the coin, falling sales, but permits that are hanging in. So something that, that we'll definitely be keeping our eye on. Now we have two charts left for you guys, and these are both more on the markets side of things, on the rates side of things. So the first one here is money market assets. So what are money market funds? Money market funds are places where large pools of capital can come and invest safely. And mostly money market funds are invested in things like treasury bills, treasury repo, all sorts of collateralized borrowing agreements that are backed by treasuries and other very high quality, very short term fixed income paper. So what happens in a recession? You basically see investors go into money market funds as it is their cash equivalent, right? They can't go out and just put paper money into their vault. They actually have to purchase something that is cash-like, and so they purchase money market funds. So we can see in the black line that total aggregate money market assets have risen quite a lot over time, but this orange bar graph I want to show you here this is the flow of money market funds on a monthly basis. How much money is coming in or out of these funds? And what do you see going into the 08 recession? A ramp up in inflows for money market funds. Why? 
safety, a flight to safety, a flight to cash. And what is a flight to cash and a flight to safety? It is a move away from risk, away from risk toward money market funds. And that is the key here. The money doesn't appear as if from nowhere. It comes from other asset classes, specifically riskier asset classes. So what did we see over the last couple years? There has been a large inflow into money market funds. It means that investors are cautious. Could it be indicating a recession next year as investors are basically seeing no reason to allocate to risk right now? Possibly, and we do believe this is a strong indicator. Now, for the last chart, I want to show you guys 10-year U.S. Treasury yields. Now, the orange line is the yield that you guys see across your screen when you see that Treasury yields have increased today. That is the nominal Treasury yield that we have here in orange. Now, the nominal Treasury yield is really the sum of two components. The real yield, which can be observed in the TIPS market, that is the Treasury inflation-protected corner of the market. And the difference between the nominal and the real yield gives us a break-even yield. The break-even yield for treasuries is not traded explicitly, but it is rather backed into from the two other market indicators. So yes, we know that yields have risen quite a bunch over the last several months, but where is the increase coming from? I read a few headlines that said, treasury yields increase as inflation expectations resume. But if you look at the green line, which is the inflation expectation component of treasury yields, it has flatlined over the past few years. Now, that is something that's very important here. Yes, there was a large inflation scare, and you can see the increase in that green line from 2020 to 2022, but it has declined and flatlined since then. So the increase in treasury yields is not due to inflation expectations. You have to understand this. It's not due to inflation. It is due to an increase in real yields. This is the yield that investors demand above and beyond the inflation expectations in the market in order to enter that investment. And what are treasury investors saying here? We do not want to buy treasuries at inflation plus 1%. We are going to demand 2% or even higher. And that is why the black line here is above 2%. Here at about 2.3, we see that real yields are at levels where they haven't been since the recession in 2008, 2009. Now, just to summarize here with real yields, real yields are restrictive to other asset classes because you are getting compensated a higher rate of return to be an instrument that doesn't carry any credit risk. And so when real yields are higher, it makes other asset classes less attractive. This could, in theory, choke off some investment at the margin for the economy and contribute to a recession. So in summary, guys, we've looked at a lot of indicators across the spectrum, and we can see that there is a good mix of positive and negative information from the economic data and the markets, but we are leaning toward a 2024 recession, just looking at the 25-year history of some of these time series. Thanks for sticking with us today at the Bitcoin layer. Make sure you check out river.com slash TBL for all of your Bitcoin exchange needs. We love River and the way they operate. They use their own multi-signature cold storage solution so that your funds are not held on a third-party custodian's 
balance sheet. Thanks again for checking out the Bitcoin layer. I'm Nick Batia. We'll catch you next time.